hang on a minute. That's not the right song. Yeah, let's get the right jingle on, shall we? Let's do it. This is Joe, and this is Tiasha, and welcome to She's Just a Dancer, a podcast for dancers by dancers, bringing you all the sparkle, glitter, sweat, tears, and everything in between that makes up our world of dance. everyone bit of a change bit of a different voice here this is not Kevin Clifton on the Kevin Clifton show this is the actual more important Clifton this is Joanne Clifton with her beautiful friend and co-host Tiasha Vulich uh, from the podcast she's just a dancer hello everyone we are taking over Kevin's podcast today and we are going to be talking all things that make dancers great and if anything happens to slip out of my mouth since Kevin is not here anything about him kind of gossip any little stories from when we grew up things like that totally not my fault it's just gonna happen he's not here so I can really say anything I want about my big brother exactly Kevin you should have really thought this through better Anyway, guys, let's get into things. So Kevin did an episode here on this podcast called Making an Actor Great. So what makes an actor great? And we thought we could develop on from that and talk about what is it that makes a dancer great? Now, the thing is about dancing and the difference, the main difference, and it sounds pretty obvious, but if you think about it, it is a pretty big difference um, between acting and dancing is that you don't use your voice or words or um, anything like that when you're dancing to tell a story. When you're an actor, you do have the script there. The story is there. The words are there to come out of your mouth to tell a story. Dancing, yes, you can have lyrics in the music, but you mainly have to tell a story through movements in your body and whether they're movements that your teacher and your coach has told you to do or whether you're improvising, that's the art. You need to tell a story through movement and not through words. So would you say that dancing is not acting then? Because I think that there is a, well, that there is a huge part of a dance performance that actually is acting. Um, The only thing is we don't get to use words. We don't get to use our voices. So we need to make sure we get the message across by by moving, by using our bodies, our gestures, our expressions. And I think that that is hugely important to, well, to be a great dancer. I mean, there is massively, acting is a massive part of dancing as well. Because, for example, when you're doing something like a rumba for example and let's say you're dancing with someone who is not your actual romantic partner in real life um or something like that but you have to you have to put across a story of a love story or a breakup or something like that of course it is acting 
but you have to do that as we said without saying anything and that's what makes dancers special that we're able to do that because we can all do a movement that our teacher has told us to do like hand on the head and then bring it down and then out anyone can do that but can you actually from there explain to an audience member with that hand from the head that's moving then out uh what is actually happening in the dance now i think like there's so many dancers in the world and and there's so many performers whether it's ballroom dancing whether it's ballet whether it's any time of any type of dance like but you do go and watch stuff and you go that person has something special and people call it the x factor not the show but they um have you got they may have got this x factor and talk about this x factor um and I don't know can this x factor be taught or is it something we're born with what do you think I definitely agree that there is this the X factor or superpower or however, however you want to call it, because I do a lot of choreographing for dancers, be it uh, like competition show routines, be it like in theater, not only for ballroom dancers, but also for modern, for jazz, believe it or not, for hip hop, which sounds completely <gasps> bonkers if you know me, because yeah, I'm like the worst hip hop dancer in the world. But yeah, there you go. And definitely I have a lot of people coming in and they are all brilliant technically. They can all close their feet, they can spin, they can jump, they can hold the posture. They can, as you said, they can do all the right gestures using their arms, their hands, their bodies. But there's just something in some of these dancers that makes them stand out of the crowd. There's just something that makes them unique and even if they are performing in a group dance you're just gonna stare at that person it's very difficult to take your eyes off them what that actually is well i think it's sort of a mystery i mean it definitely has to do with something that is in you i think you're born with a certain ability to entertain to express to move in a certain way we can call it charisma, we can call it energy, we can call it, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the X factor yet. Um, but we all have certain strengths that we are born with or weaknesses that we are born with. And what I think is the most important thing um, that can make you stand out and become that special performer um, is finding out what that particular thing is that you have that no one else can have and I'm not talking about technique here I'm talking about is it your ability of using your facial expressions you know so that they are very clear and obvious can you use your body in a way that transmits the idea and the message can you make people feel something special when they look at you can you make them cry can you make them laugh can you use your speed in a sense that it becomes your special feature and then really take that and work on it like work on that one thing that makes you different from everyone else um and i i know i've said this on our podcast maybe a few episodes ago um a lot of dancers i think we get stuck 
on working on what makes us not good. So whether it's our feet, maybe our, we have wonky foot, foot actions, maybe our balance is not great. Maybe we can't extend our ankles enough. And you know, all those things that sometimes you get really fixated on. And of course you have to work on that. You can't go, you know, do a musical, you know, theater show. You can't be a West End star. You can't be a world champion. You can't be a prima ballerina if you don't have the technique, but everyone can learn technique. And that's, you know, if there's something that you're average at, you can get okay at it by working hard on it. You can get it to a level which is acceptable. But if you work on your strength, if you really put your energy towards making that one feature that makes you unique, make it, you know, strong and work on it, you can become extraordinary. And that is then probably the one thing that sets you apart from the rest. Sorry, this was a very long monologue. I'm so oh, sorry. I was loving it. I was loving it. I was sat here listening. I was like, actually, yes, very good point. Um, but I was thinking, um, actually, when I did Flashdance, you're so right, because Flashdance, I've been doing, as same as you, ballroom and Latin all my life. Um, and then I did Flashdance the musical. So I had an audition. And in Flashdance, it's a style of dance. Now, you know me, Tiash. I'm, I'm more specialised in ballroom, not not even Latin, uh, really. And so the idea of me from being covered up down to my ankles in a long flowy dress in a frame to going to an audition where I would have to be dancing in knickers and a crop top, uh, doing kind of like commercial street jazz kind of dance that I've never done I'm also not flexible at all because ballroom dancers kind of don't need to be that if, if you specialize just in ballroom it's not like we do the splits or anything like that um and I'm going in for this audition in flash dance right and I was told later I did get the job um, which I, I didn't know how at the time, um, but I was told that I didn't get it on my dance ability, which at first to someone who, anyone who knows me from like Strictly or anything like that, it sounds strange because yes, I mainly or have been mainly in my career known as a dancer. So you think flash dance. Now, of course, there was the element of Strictly. I'm not being naive that that of course the profile from Strictly helped me get the job as well but I did hear that I was up against people who also have a big following but what they said was I didn't get it on my ability I got it on my attitude so I went in there they gave me this really fast choreography that I would ne I've not trained in um like punchy kicky uh kind of stuff and I was told that there were a lot better dancers than me but it was my attitude that got me the job like I I remember in that audition that I stopped them I was like I did it once and then I was like no I'm gonna do that again for you because that wasn't good enough and I did and I just did it again in the audition and then I just would like throw myself on the floor I mean I do remember the next day I could hardly walk because I was trying to do all these moves that I've never done with my body and I got it from attitude and whether that I'm not quite sure because we didn't go too deep into the conversation uh, whether it was the attitude of determination or whether it was an attitude when I'm dancing just kind of like a I don't know what kind of a fire kind of thing that I had in that audition just to show that I can do this because you know I work on I 
go forward like the way I work inside is if somebody says that I can't do something I will try so hard to prove them wrong so maybe it was that that they saw but I don't know whether they thought like that was an x factor but strangely enough being not trained in that style of dance I was the one who got the job and not on dance ability so to a certain point technique yes of course you have to have it and be and train in it every day and stuff like that but at that point I hadn't done any training in street jazz or whatever it was um so yeah but there you go I think this is just technique is I think when we're talking about high level performing which whichever branch of performing we're talking about technique is just something that's I mean everybody just I mean for me whether I'm judging as because I'm a ballroom dancing professional I'm also an adjudicator on competitions or whether I'm choreographing a show or whether I'm in the audience enjoying a ballet performance of Swan Lake let's say I don't want to see technique and I'll explain this better I expect technique to be there you know I'm not impressed by the fact that somebody closes their feet I mean they're supposed to close their feet because they are on that certain level of performing. I want to see what do you do with that closing of the feet. Great, you can spin six times, you know, you can do a quadruple pirouette. I don't even know if that's the right term. I'm so sorry for all <laughs> of those ballet people out there. You know, we can do 12 turns, great. There are probably 10,000 people in the world who can do 12 turns, but what can you, do to make those 12 turns special you know what do you do before those 12 turns what do you do after those 12 turns you know what you know what I mean it's not like technique is not something I enjoy seeing I expect technique to be there but then I want to see what you do with that technique how does how do you use your ability your technical ability to make your performance extraordinary and to keep me interested and entertained. So as a judge then, like if you had two couples in front of you, whether smart first or second, one of them was technically perfect. The other one did something amazing and you could tell that they're like feeling it and, and performing it, you know, feeling the music maybe we want to say, but was slightly I don't know, had a shoulder out of place or didn't close perfectly, which one would you go for? I think it also depends on the age group and category mm -hmm. you're judging. Um, and it depends on the, the, the size of the technical error. I mean, if somebody is doing, let's take your head rolls, for example, <laughs> that you are so famous for, you know, I don't, I never analyzed your performance to that degree. But I think that there are probably, if we do a video analysis and we slow down your movement in the moment when you are doing all of those magnificent extensions and head rolls, and you are also spinning on, you know, around yourself yeah, very quickly, I'm sure we can catch you with the shoulder slightly out of place. But I'm Not even slightly, a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I'm talking about sacrificing a certain degree of technical perfection, if you want to call it that. I mean, doesn't exist. Perfection is just not possible. But we are, we can accept 
a sacrifice of a certain tiny degree of technical precision if the effect then, the overall effect of musicality, of interpretation, of showing like an incredibly skilled figure and using something that nobody else can do, that I can accept. If during, and I will mark that couple first, but if because of the head rolls, you lose your posture, you completely change the foot actions, you completely, then of course not. So it's, it's not either or, it's not black or white. This is the difficulty at evaluating performances. And this is why, you know, when you go to a theater or you go to watch ballet, it's difficult to say, you know, which degree of technical imperfection is okay in order to get the performance you need. That's the difficulty. You need to strike the right balance between these two things, I think. So interesting. It's so interesting because some things you just can't explain. But that sounds really, really clear, what you just explained there and how, you know, to a certain degree and this, that and the other. And it's how you use then your technique to express now we were talking to someone recently I think on our podcast she's just a dancer shameless plug again um go and listen to it so so yeah we were talking with someone on our podcast um about this kind of stuff and it was like it made me realize that talking about my head rolls and stuff which possibly wasn't technically correct but the fact that uh I could do it and it, and and our teacher found that I could do it um and then taking that risk knowing that not many people could do it some possibly could but I was going to try and be one not the first but one of the few first that were doing their were doing the head rolls it gave me a kind of confidence um which I think then also came out in my performance this newfound confidence that I'm going I can do something more than other people here in this particular movement what we're all doing a standing spin but watch because I can do this head roll on top of a standing spin and that gave me a certain confidence and I think I don't know taking that risk Um, and having that confidence to someone inside that can also be a way of of shining out let's say onto an audience member and they go wow they've got that x factor but really if you analyze it it was just a confidence from taking a risk that I know I can do something that other people can't but it's just the thing that I said in the beginning what is that x factor you know it's it can be confidence and as you said knowing that there's something you can do that not many people are able to do or are not able to do yet because of course then everyone everybody copied you and I'm all the girls do the head rolls and you know they are not the same as yours but of course they copy they learn and then you're not the only one anymore but just the fact of being there and knowing oh I can jump higher than everyone else or I can do the head rolls better than everyone else or in our case we were doing an arabesque in quick yeah. step where i was holding look i mean i was holding my dance partner in balance while extending my head to the floor so it was something completely out of the conventional idea of a quick step but we could do it and you know we were it was risk exactly okay. we were known for that thing so of course it gives you confidence also in other parts of your performance then 
And this is, I think, also the job of a good trainer or a good coach or a good choreographer. We spoke to Peter Roby yesterday, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And she said just that she's choreographing Burn the Floor, this huge production for with what what do you say, 90 different dancers, is yeah. it? Yeah. And so she has 90 different people, 90 different personalities, 90 different abilities, 90 different X factors that she has to find in her dancers so they can shine on that stage. And she said that her job is not imposing how they're going to do a figure. It's guiding them to find that confidence of showing what they can do better or you know extraordinarily well so that then the whole production the whole performance becomes special i do believe though that not you know not there is that factor but you are there are some certain people who just have it from the off uh, and then there are others who kind of develop it and find it so, so if i'm here here we go kevin here we go kevin first little thing talking about you here um with taking me and my brother, for example. So we started very, very small, dancing parents, obviously, um, auntie, uh, dancing family. So whether you can say it was in our genes to be performers or not, who knows? But when we were kids, Kevin was so, they called him motor mouth. Like he would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, just talk. And he was very strongly opinionated. He's still very strongly opinionated, but he's not as loud um, as a kid. And when we would go right from the off on the dance floor, that kid, Kevin as a kid, was so extra, like so extra, like facial expressions galore, almost to the point where it's like, is that too much? Because he's like giving it all these facial expressions and energy and stuff. And no one had to teach him that. No one had to try and bring it out. It was just his personality. It's just how he was. Um, and he was like the popular kid at school as well. Like everybody loved him and he was just so talkative, really strongly opinionated. And also he would even like argue back at my dad in lessons and stuff like that. Cause he thought he knew better even as a child, but he had this kind of personality that as soon as we'd go out on the dance floor, bam, like, oh my gosh, Kevin Clifton, like he's, uh, he's there and he's giving it all these faces and look at that, even as a tiny, tiny kid. Whereas me, I kind of, I've said it before, like, I don't, I don't, it took me years to try and even crack a smile on the dance floor. My dad, to try and get me to smile on the dance floor, oh my goodness, I would just go out and literally do what my dad had taught me to do, the steps and stuff like that. And in front of me, I have someone dancing and holding my hand and leading me, who was the opposite, like, facial expressions, like, like bonkers. Um... And then it was a moment where I clicked and I don't, I don't know why I clicked. I don't know why it was. I love music. If I look back and think, you know, I do love music. I love singing and I love acting. And I think maybe at that competition, a song came on. I used to mouth the words a lot to the songs uh, when, when I did eventually just click into, oh, I can use my face and actually really started enjoying it. But I think I had an example all the time in front of me, my big brother, uh, who I was actually dancing with as well. And it, and just looking at him and seeing how he did it, plus the music. So I do think that I didn't have it 
or maybe I did. It just t- took a, a long while to try and get it out of me. Or maybe I wasn't born with it, but learned it from either looking at Kevin or or something. But I don't know. I think like someone like my brother was just born with it, just born with it. No one had to teach him how to perform at all ever and even now on you know when he was on Strictly when he's doing Burn the Floor and stuff like that I think one of the things and I will say like just now just this once Kev um that he was and always has been an inspiration for me from the pure fact that when I watch him he can move me to tears as in dancing (laughs) watching him dancing (laughs) not just that watching him um (laughs) he can move me to tears or he can make me just really like on edge doing a paso doble or something like that and he's always been able to 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 bring that across but I think he was born with it I definitely agree that it's different for everyone I think um because funnily enough I was a very outgoing child when I was around people who knew me so like if my mom was there if I was with my friends um people who I felt comfortable with. I would dance in front of them. I would sing in front of them. Stop laughing, Joe. <laughs> you sing in front of them? I bet I sing lovely concert. Amazing. <laughs> Be careful, I'm gonna steal your career. <laughs> um, so I would dance, I would sing, I would act, I would do whatever I wanted to do. But on the dance floor, maybe because I was not allowed to use my voice and I didn't know how to express myself, my face would go blank. I would go very serious. Just as you said, smiling on a competition for me was extremely difficult. Catching people's eyes in the audience was very difficult. Expressing any sort of emotion was very difficult for me. And I don't know, and I'm de- I definitely know that I had it because I was doing it, just not on the dance floor. And for me, it was, as you said, you had an example of Kevin, probably. And I think you had it in you, but then you just needed that click of the right combination of probably someone who you idolized, which was Kevin at the time, the right music, the right situation. And then you get got over this block that was, you know, creating probably uh, that was blocking you. And for me, it was finding an idol to copy. Um, and I know a lot of people are against copying, you know, they say, oh, you shouldn't copy this, you shouldn't, shouldn't copy that. But when you're very young or when you're starting out, I think finding the people who to look up to and people who you want to be like when you grow up and copying little parts of their performances, being the way you, they smile, be it the way they dress, be it the way they move. Um, I think that's extremely important. So to be, you know, to be able to use the, the, the fire you have in you and show it and making it come out as a young dancer specifically, it is important to get, to find idols to look up to. For me, it was Hannah Kartunen, it was Katarina Venturini, it was all of those, of course, ballroom dancing girls, but it was also Ginger Rogers, you know, which that has nothing to do with, my style of competitive ballroom dance, but I would, in general, all of these uh, musical, what's the right term? Musical movies? Yeah. 
kind of like the old the old those style you know singing yeah. in the rain american in paris all of these movies with gene kelly and fred astaire and the amazing female dancers um leslie karen i mean i loved her so all of these women i looked up to and i wanted to become them and i copied them and that helped me to start performing as well and it was about around the age of i think 12 or 13 when I remember my friend, she's still my friend, we used to compete together. Um, she came up to me and said, oh, you started using your face <laughs> on the dance floor. And I was like, what? what? I, and I didn't realize it, but I, that's when I started, you know, to perform rather than just do steps. I think it's a different so- so copying as well, you could say that gives you, it does give you a certain confidence because you're copying someone who you know does it well. So it's given you the confidence that that is something that works, um, which then helps you to to go out and perform, which I think, I don't know whether you've seen going around on like Facebook and Instagram, little um, Asian girl juvenile dancer who she does like a pasta doble and a cha-cha she's coming on and she's got this really like facial expression and and stuff and I think that is a confidence that's down to copying something that she's seen I absolutely think that but then you've got the other uh kind of Facebook videos of other little kids who are clearly not competitors who they put on say a samba kind of song and absolutely just you can tell in their faces are feeling the music I think the music for some people has a lot to do with what makes a dancer great some people like I mean for me as well but for me it's like words to I don't know jazz songs as well I love jazz so anything of course I'm a ballroom dancer as well so like fox those fox shots where they're like the old Frank Sinatra songs and stuff absolutely in my element at that point there's people like who like the salsa um salsa music um and stuff and like if that comes on they're immediately like you know you can see it oh and they feel it in their bodies and it just automatically comes out in their face which automatically makes you want to join in um so there is the there is the copying from someone else that gives you confidence and then it kind of slowly as you develop it yourself you go away from the copying but you've had you've had that confidence now um and then there's also like, I think music plays a big, big, big part in what makes a dancer great. Feeling what style of music is, hearing little tiny notes, not just even the words. Like if there's like a ding in the back and you hear it and it's like, oh, that was such a good little, uh, a little ding there. Um, so I think music is, is, is massive in this whole so, but, factor thing. But what we're actually talking about right now is, finding the, an inspiration in the end of the day. So whether yeah. it's your, yeah. whether it's a dancer you idolize or whether it's an actor you think is amazing because you, it, it's a movie, it can be a song, it can be music. So finding what inspires you, obviously, helps you to develop your own performance. Yeah. And, you know, for me as a dancer, music, as a dancer and as a choreographer, when I mean, the the song, the music, the piece of music that we 
that we create choreography to or that we choose to practice to. That's the first thing, you know, I always, and I know that's not always possible because if you are a part of a show, you are part of the cast, you don't choose the music. The, choose, the music chooses you in the, in the end of the day because you have to perform at the top of your game to the piece of music that is playing. And then, of course, you need to find that you need to become the piece of music that is playing. I think that's the right word to use. You need yeah. to become the music. You can't just dance on top of it. You can't just dance to the rhythm. You have to become the piece of music that you're dancing to and you have to live it and you have to feel it. Um, I know that this probably sounds very philosophical, but that's the thing. I think you have to, yeah, feel the music and you have to make, you know, allow it to make you sad or happy or feeling sophisticated or aggressive or angry or, you know, cold, whatever, you know, you want to show in that performance. I think you have to feel what you want your audience to feel. That's, I mean, and I think this is in, in acting as well. I think whatever kind of performance you want to do, you need to feel the emotion you want to get out of the audience. I would assume I've never been to an acting school. I'm not an actress, but I am a dancer. And I think when you really feel the thing you want to get across, then you get the right reaction. And you know, yeah. when it's me, truthful. sorry, when it's truthful, exactly. Yeah. And you know, you've i think you've asked me on one of during one of our conversations or one of our guests did what was what is the one performance i remember the most and funnily enough it's never been one of the performances on a competition it's a few years ago um you know the the song um the sound of silence oh yeah it was redone by the disturbed a few years okay. ago yeah so we done a show to that and that is one of my favorite shows. We've, I mean, the favorite show we've ever done just because I love the song. But the best performance that I will always remember when we performed that in Belgium and I didn't even realize anyone was in the hall because I was so into it. And then when the music ended and I looked around the audience, like so many people were crying, <laughs> you know? And I was so shocked because that, well, that song is, I mean, it made, it's very emotional to me. And well, obviously we, we've managed to get that, those emotions across and I didn't care about the applause. I didn't care about whether or not I closed my feet. I don't even know what I did during that performance, but the fact that people got touched by the performance, that was like, good. I can retire now. I can never dance again. I've done what my job is. And that was like, so amazing. Sometimes it's not even the like fast dances, is it, that mean the most? You know what I mean? Like you would think, oh, what was the best show you did? Oh, some kind of like quick step or oh, jump. Oh, no, God, like, yeah, I hate it. Stuff. It's, it's mainly, I did, I did a show with, um, with Paolo to, it's called, a song called Il Mondo with, um, oh, what oh I love that. Um, and we did it, we did it actually at the training camp. Um, and it was one of our first shows for kind of Team Diablo, which was our school. Um, and that night there, I think what you just explained, that's what I felt that night there. And it wasn't about whether people were like clapping along with the music or or whatever. What I was feeling was 
the music, how it was going, the instruments behind it, and then um, also the words. The words may mean a lot. It was obviously, it was in Italian, but I can speak Italian for those of you who don't know. Um, so I was hearing the words and I just got, as you say, kind of in the music, uh, which is a really, really weird feeling. Like you say, you get to the end and you're like, oh, oh, that just happened. Um, and I think that's possibly one of my most favourite ones as well, where you would think that it would be an, a more upbeat kind of dance. But I, I, I think sometimes the more meaningful slow dances are the ones that bring out, at, at least for me, uh, more emotions, real emotions. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I never liked doing shows of quick step and jive. Really? Yeah, I just found them... Well, maybe I'm just a very, very um, sad and depressed person. I don't know. <laughs> but I always found them so one-dimensional. You know, it's fast, it's chirpy, it's fun. We're all happy. We're smiling. Done. You know? Yeah. Whereas in a slow foxtrot or in a waltz or in a rumba or even samba or cha-cha, you have so many more dimensions to explore. Mm -hmm. so it doesn't have to be happy just because it's samba. It doesn't have to be seductive just because it's romantic. it can be so much more and i think if a dancer can take a dance like rumba which as a cliche is romantic and seductive and you can turn it into something that's so much more you know that maybe every you know every single figure tells a different story a different emotion that's what makes a performance original and and well extraordinary because as also as an adjudicator, when I go and see a competition or any kind of performance, I don't want to be bored. I don't want to see 10 Roombas that look the same, just with different steps and that feel the same, just with different yeah. steps. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, I have to say that this doesn't apply for me just for to ballroom dancing, even though this is the area of my expertise. But um, before all of these lockdowns, I had, um, and I hope, they're going to be finished sooner rather than later because I want to go back and see performances again. Um, but I happened to see two productions of the Swan Lake very close to right. each other. So one was, I'm just going to say it, and I don't mean to um, diss anyone here, so please don't take it that way, but I'm just going to say it as it is. I saw one, um, a production by... Uh, opera of Ljubljana, so Slovenia, where I live. Um, and then I saw one by uh, Bolshoi mm -hmm. from Moscow. And, oh my God, the difference. Really? Oh my God, the difference. The difference, I mean, not in the, I mean, the music is the same. The costumes are more or less the same. The stage was the same because they were in Slovenia. They were, so they were doing a tour. So it's not, I didn't go to the Bolshoi, which could then influence the whole experience obviously because Bolshoi theater is one of the most beautiful theaters in the world um it was just that like they took the same um ballet and they turned it into something extraordinary like the dancers the storyline is the same but this wasn't the same you know the Bolshoi one it just gave you so much more of course also technically i mean bolshoi dancers are amongst the best in the world and even though i'm not a ballet dancer i can see the difference so maybe it has to do with what we said before having that 
you know, being so sure of your technique and the ability that you have technically, then may probably allows you to be more expressive and, you know, to, to get the performance, to touch the audience more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely did not see two of the same shows. It was almost as if there were two completely different storylines and two completely different, um, well, the, yeah, it was a completely different experience. And that is what then makes it interesting. Yeah. Because then you can play around with things. If you've got that technique behind you and you've got the foundations, uh, one, your body's more ready to do more things with stuff because you've got the technique and you know how to do it. Two, as we said, it's confidence. Um, and you've just got that confidence. And, and, and then you've got the confidence to then take risks of doing stuff and then you can because you know that you have that technique you've got more time and, and that to express not more time but you know I mean you can you, you don't have to think about it you don't have to think about it anymore because you practiced it so much I also think another thing is um studying different areas like I know we spoke about acting right at the beginning it was the first thing that we said but also studying acting being a dancer uh I think it's extremely important because we were this is what I, and it kind of developed, it's kind of the same kind of thing that what, what we've been saying. But when I was in my early 20s, I'm going to say, in performing, I would always give, well, even to actually till late in my career, I would actually give myself a character for every dance to become. So, for example, doing a foxtrot, I would always, before I walked on the floor, become Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and then I would think as I walked on the floor, I would walk like Marilyn Monroe. Um, I actually even had like made up characters for other dances and what their um, personality was and what their backstory was, which is all kind of things that you that you study in acting as well. If you get given a character, even if you haven't got that much um, information on the character you have to make it yourself like give them a story who were their family what was their upbringing um and and how they are what their personality traits these kind of stuff um if you haven't got it in the script what's written what what is your personality you have to kind of make it up to make you feel as real as possible um so like Marilyn Monroe was an existing person so she was my um fox shop once which I found quite I'm not going to say easy because no one can be Marilyn Monroe, but like she existed. Whereas like my tango character and my quick step character, I think one was called Ruby. I just gave her a name. I think it was my quick step one, Ruby. And I would walk on and Ruby was this mischievous, like happy little thing who was always playing tricks on people. And I'd given myself a character for each and every dance. So even in a final, when you don't go off the floor, I actually changed character as I was waiting for the music to start. It was really, really weird. As I got towards the end of it, I wasn't so much being different characters. I was being versions of those characters, but as myself. Um, and I think that just comes with again confidence instead of hiding behind a character bringing it and being making it really really truthful um as myself but kind of like joanne as ruby not just ruby um so i think like studying as many different things uh to do with this kind of um art 
and and performing world is is really really important acting is really important again if you have acting techniques behind you you then know that you've got that work behind you you know stuff and the more you know the more knowledge you have the more confident you are and you can just go out and perform um i've never had proper um acting classes um because well we started acting classes funnily enough um in Italy, when you went away, I don't think you were there oh, anymore. Really? That's it. Yeah. So we had we have a teacher from theater in Padova, and she comes and she give, she gives us like one time every every week she gives us acting lessons now. And of course, you know when you first approach an acting class, it can be quite weird. You know we have to do a lot of stuff that is quite out of many people's comfort zone. You know. Um, you know how it is, I don't have to explain it to you. But funnily enough, um, I didn't know I was doing that because as I said, to me, it just came naturally. I didn't give myself a person to be on the floor, mm -hmm. but I could make myself feel certain things on demand. Like, oh. yeah, like before a waltz, I can be, I, can, I could become like really, um, what's the right word? melancholy yeah 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 the word yeah and in tango i felt very you know powerful and aggressive and focused and then in venice waltz you know so on and so on i could i mean for me it's it was extremely if somebody would tell me to cry i could really and how yeah. did how do you do that though do you realize how you do that do you recall like past no memories? honestly i just i don't know i don't i don't think about sad things I just, I can just cry. I can cry now. <laughs> so oh my that, gosh. That is very, oh that's, and I, I've been like that since that time when I had a breakthrough of performing on a dance floor. Uh -huh. I could always, even as a child, I can cry on demand. I can laugh on demand. I can be very serious. I can be very angry. So I didn't know that was actually anything <laughs> special. But I found out during these acting classes that actually it's not that easy because I was really shocked. Like, because we had to act out scenes, we had to do like proper, you know, acting, like with text and roles, role playing and everything. And people couldn't just, they just couldn't be serious if they had to be serious, some of them. And they, they, then they couldn't cry if they want, and I was like, why can't you just cry, you know? And then I realized it's not normal for everyone. So apparently I've been using, some sort of acting technique to perform better on the dance floor without realizing it. But that's what I mean. Some people don't need to be taught. So you're probably more like Kevin. Like, was just, it just has it in you and you can't really explain. And I think, like, as a kid, if you asked my brother, you know, how, how are you able to just go out and look like, you know, the character of the dance already and it's just like, bam, 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 there you are and you haven't been taught it. And he'll probably just be like, I don't know. Well, you know, and, and uh, so I think you're probably, again, one that didn't have to develop it. You had it already in you, whether that's genetic or not, I don't know. I don't know. Because we learn that in acting. Um, I do it a lot. Uh, if I need to cry, I can't cry on demand. I have to put on a song um, and just for a moment go off on my own, put on a certain song. Oh, I, see, I start, if I think about the song, it sets me up um, and, and find what triggers it. And so I put on this song, which brings back bad memories. And now it, the more I do it, the more it triggers it faster. Okay. Um, 
that when I started maxing less than I would do that then it, I would have this like mental block that I oh, don't cry don't cry don't cry and I don't know whether that came from anything else this whole block shouldn't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry um but then now as the more I do it I, I can just put the song on or even think about the song and I can and I can tear up but it took it's taken a long time of studying and different ways of bringing out different emotions from past experiences for me whereas you've just had it in you you've just had it in you so yeah whether that's an x factor or whether it's just something that has happened that you don't even realize it whether it's just happened as you as when you were a kid you were able to cry because of something else and you just don't know what it is I don't don't know but again the more practice of even these things the the easier and the more confidence you have which can then show in your performance I also think that there's um, a very big risk in the performing arts industry in general um, when teachers is that the right word even in acting I don't know teachers yeah. co- acting coaches or whatever um, when they get very young children you know they come through the door and they would like to study acting or dancing or singing you know to be a performer I think well at least in during my career as a dancer um there are a lot of people there were a lot of people who are very dismissive of children who couldn't perform right from the word go like for me there were a lot of trainers who would just not really consider me because i was very serious on the floor because i couldn't smile because i was not charismatic because 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 and I'm sure that this happens a lot, probably all over the world, that sometimes children, or even if it's not talking about children, maybe we're talking about young adults who just approach the world of performing arts in general at the first time, they can be dismissed or blocked without ever giving, having been given an opportunity to find that outlet that can help them to become performers. Especially, I mean, I think especially it's true for young children, because if people would probably look at you or me, they would never say, oh, you know, Joanne, she's going to be a leading lady in musical theater when she grows up. Or, you know, for me, oh, she's going to be a world champion in ballroom dancing and she's going to be a choreographer and she's going to be known for doing I mean, this is what people told me is <laughs> very difficult, you know, for doing shows and, you know, making someone cry on yeah. because of the performance. Um, I hope they didn't cry because of my bad experience. <laughs> I never thought about that, but maybe I'm so sorry if that's the, if that's the case. <laughs> but you know what I mean? If we were not those typical children who walk into the dance school and just explode with energy yeah, and absolutely. smiles and, you know, interpretations and being yeah. little stars... So I think it's really important for parents, for teachers, for coaches to realize that it's a bit different for everyone. There are some kids who walk into the dance school and they are just amazing as performance, I mean. And then there are some children who are very quiet and very shy and not having, supposedly don't have that X factor. But then during the years, because of, the inspirations they find because, you know, we're growing up because, because they go, you know, technique exactly. Then they become stars. And I think this is on us 
as educators of future performers that we need to realize that. And I have a typical example in our dance school here in Ljubljana now. Uh, we have this couple who have started dancing just three years ago. They're still very young. They're still kids. So who knows what's, what's going to happen? But they were the chubbiest children in the dance class. Not that there's nothing wrong with being a chubby child in a dance class because dancing is great for you. Um, they were the ones who you wouldn't bet five pounds on being yeah. able to learn and become successful. And in these three years, the transformation has been enormous. Physically, mentally, they are the ones who train the hardest. They are the ones who have the best results in terms of competitions. They are the ones who perform the most, are the most confident. And that is down to having been given a chance to yeah. develop. And that's, I think, a hugely important thing if you want someone to become a great dancer and a great performer, being given a chance, even though maybe in the beginning you're not the one that people would bet on. So I think like what we've kind of said is, yes, you can be born with a certain, uh, we keep calling it the X factor. And you know, yeah. X factor is the rival of Strictly. Anyway, we know what we, we're talking about. Uh, you can be either born with this X factor or, or you can, through experiences and uh, through learning, you can develop it and can then come into your own uh, and, and something might click. Um, but I think a lot of it, just as a roundup here, is is confidence due to knowledge and practice. And even, I think you said it, like the, the knowledge that you've done the work, that confidence, you've done the technique work, okay? You know it and you've done it. And then just the the knowledge that you've done the technique that you've practiced, also the, the just the the knowledge, it keeps you kind of a calm, it gives you calmness in, in some way, because you know, you know you've done it. Like, if you know that you haven't practiced the technique enough, you might have this little niggle at the back of your head going, oh, maybe that the step's not going to come off today because I haven't practiced it enough, which is going to take away from your performance. So just the, just the knowledge and the calmness that you you know you've done the work, that can bring give you freedom to express. Um, and then I think life experiences um, as well, helps I think the fact that I went over to Italy gave me confidence I think uh, if I'd have stayed in England I, I, I maybe would have stayed shy or shyer um just the fact that I so life experiences affect it and and then the the teachers who find you're something special whether that's a step whether that's a flexibility whether that's something that you have or can do that other not many other people can do again gives you that confidence and the risk taking and all of that excitement inside around that that will give you that let's say x factor and what makes a dancer great is that a good roundup would you say yes but i think we're missing one last point because we've touched on all of the things that help you grow during your career. Mm -hmm. But I also think that to be extraordinary, you should never stop learning. Like once you reach a certain level of uh, as being a performer, even if you are already a world champion, if you're a ballroom dancer, if you are the leading lady in the musical theater, if you are the principal dancer of a ballet company, the danger is that you just 
are just happy with what you've achieved and you stop working. And that will so quickly make you ordinary. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the, the most important thing. I think once you become special and once you reach your goals, you have to keep learning and you have to keep working. You have to keep developing skills that maybe you didn't have in the past. Um, like for me, we've, we've spoken to Katya Jones about it, didn't we? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and we said that, I mean, for me, this lockdown has been, you know, of course, it would have been much better if it wasn't there, yeah. but it's been so beneficial because I had time to do online classes of hip hop, which yeah. I'm never going to be good, good at, but now I have new things to incorporate into my choreography. I've taken please don't laugh at me i've tried <laughs> singing lessons online just because i want to experience what that's like because when i choreograph um stuff for the for theatrical performances that include singing i have to understand what is possible and what's not possible for mm -hmm. someone to do while they're singing you know i can't have you jumping up and down if i know that that's not doable if you have to sing as well for example so Keep working on technique, keep experiencing new forms of dance, keep experiencing things that are outside of your comfort zone, you know, and that is, I think, also a huge part of what makes a dancer great. Yeah, and it all adds up, it all adds up and it all returns to that same thing. The more you know, the more experience you have, uh, then the more freedom mentally kind of in a way you have because you know that you've done the work and you're carrying on doing the work. You're not getting left behind. You're not seeing if you stop once you're at the top of your game or you think you're at the top of your game and you stop training. Oh my gosh, there's so many other people coming up um, who are still training. Um, so, you know, you, you, it still gives you that confidence that you've, that you've carried on and you're still ahead. Um, and then the more confidence you have with your knowledge, the more freedom when you go on stage, you have to express and let's say, just feel it. So we've rambled on for an hour, I think. Um, and yeah, this is it for this week's Kevin Clifton show, which did not include Kevin Clifton. Uh, only slightly. And we actually said really good things about him as well. I, I said good things. I was expecting to come on here and just give you a load of, uh, you know, gossip and bad stuff about my brother. But I actually basically said that he was my inspiration. Uh, never mind. Never mind. It'll be for another time. But anyway, guys, thank you for listening. I hope um, you found it interesting. We also have our podcast, which is called She's Just a Dancer. Um, talking all things obviously dance that there's more to it than just putting on a sparkly dress and some makeup and fake tan um, and also talking to people who have branched out from being doing only dancing to other things and how it's helped them so if you are interested in that please check out our podcast she's just a dancer well that was a very long and a very shameless plug Thank you so much for listening, all of you. Um, we loved doing this podcast takeover and we really hope to, well, to have you listen to some of our episodes as well. Thank you, Kevin, for having us. Thank you, Kev. Bye. I hope we went better than you, but I think we were. <laughs> all right, lots of love. Bye. Bye. Bye.